passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Bears. My name is Joe Christopoulos with my co-host, Corey Wooten. But first, today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is back and it's better than ever because a new web interface for the rest of the NBA season means more props, odds, and lines than ever before. And that's what makes BetOnline their number one spot for basketball and football action this season. So what are you waiting for? Head on your mobile device and sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and use promo code BELIEVE50. B-L-E-A-V-5-0. Receive that bonus. Basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC. See, you name it, favorite Vegas casino games, they got it. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season because at Bet Online, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for coming into the pod. It is week 14. It's a Bears-Packers week. Two teams going in two different directions, but we just got some good news down the pipe in terms of who's going to be starting a quarterback. But first, let's bring in my co-host, former Bears defensive end, Fox 32 Chicago's, and suddenly in the Midwest, tempered weather, 65, 70 degrees, a man who might be on the links before we know it. It's Corey Wooten. What's up, Corey? Oh, what's going on, man? I'm enjoying this weather. It's, it's almost like I'm in Cali and you're out here. You know what I mean? So, I hey, the, the, weather, the weather's been real nice around here. It's very golf friendly. That's why everyone always says, man, put your clubs away in December. Not so fast because we have days like this. We And the next week is supposed to be 60s, so... Wow. Someone wrote a letter to Santa, Corey, and your answers <laughs> have been and you your prayers have been answered. And yeah, man, uh it's warmer in the STL than it is in LA right now. So good yeah. on you. And we're heading into a Bears Packers game at Lambeau Field this week. Look, not a lot to play for in the wins and losses column, but we're playing for pride at this point, and there is some business to take care of, so let's hit it right away. Wednesday's practice report just came out as we're recording this right now. This Wednesday afternoon. Got Andy Dalton did not practice with the left hand. Uh, Travis Gibson out with an illness. We'll see what happens there. Cairo Santos also out with an illness. Definitely something to monitor as well. A little surprise in the injury report was David Montgomery. Shoulder, groin, glute. Corey, I don't know if you've ever had that triple combo before, no. uh, but that's, <laughs> that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. And then finally, the most important one, obviously, Hakeem Hicks, Allen Robinson limited, Damian Williams limited. But the most important one is Justin Fields practiced in full and fully announced as the starter against Green Bay, Sunday Night Football, under the bright lights. Corey, I'm kind of getting really excited again. I'm excited to see number one back on the field. How about you? Yeah, I'm getting excited. I'm, I'm just hoping the game plan is is like we hope it is, right? I hope it's a run-heavy first uh, play calling, you know, setting up the play action, getting him comfortable, you know, kind of like what we saw in the, the second half of the Pittsburgh game, kind of like what we saw with the first Detroit game when, when he did really well. I'm just hoping they can continue that plan because, you know, when we try to get a little past happy at times, it 
it, it goes sideways, even with Andy Dalton, who they felt comfortable with. I think you just need to script for success. And at this point, you know, we had talked about this in the last pod that it's really, it's really not about stacking wins at this point. It's, it's about getting Justin Fields comfortable because the future is bright with him and we just have to get his confidence up. And I think you hit the nail on the head. If we could go out these last, you know, four or five games and really set a statement, you know, and, and have Justin Fields perform well, you know, leave the fan base feeling reinvigorated for next season, excited for what he has to offer. And obviously we know there's going to be changes, but really have this fan base excited because, you know, Ch Chicago Bears fans are diehard regardless. But if we can if we can do that going into the offseason, yeah, I think it would be huge, not only for, for Justin Fields' confidence coming into next season, right? Because the, the biggest growth you see with quarterbacks usually is year one to year two, mm -hmm. and I'm really excited for that. That's that's cool. That's an interesting perspective there on the one year, one year to two year jump. Uh, Corey, I hope you appreciate this because this is well, something your old ball coach used to say, Lovey Smith, I'm cutting this into quarters, right? We're yep. cutting the season into quarters. So officially, this is the last game of the season for me, Corey, because after yep. that, it does open up that four game window, which is a brand new season where we could hopefully look at this team with some fresh eyes and say, hey, maybe we can walk into this offseason with you know a little bit of motivation and also a little bit of optimism from a Bears fans perspective so Corey are you telling me that let's just say you know Aaron Rodgers gets the ball in the first quarter and may I don't know rips us down the field for a six play 78 yard drive and goes up seven nothing are you saying that the Bears shouldn't panic and not get yeah. pass heavy <laughs> and maybe stick to the yeah. game plan is that what you're intimating here that that, that's that's what I'm saying. You know, at that point, it's only a one score game. So you're still in it. You know, don't don't panic. Don't hit the panic button yet. So r run the football. You have three talented backs. Um, I guess we'll see, you know, as the week goes on, how, if Montgomery will play or not. Um, I imagine he will. You know, I think he's really trying to prove that he's worthy of an extension. I think he's playing for an extension, even even though that might not work out the way he wants to. But I think he's, you know, trying to prove himself because anytime he's out there, a little Herbert shine, Damian Williams to shine. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like that thing. You don't want to miss something. So I think if he's, if he's feeling pretty good, I think he's going to get ready to go, but I think you have to run the football, especially when you're playing against a guy like Aaron Rodgers. in my opinion, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, you have to keep him off the field. How do you do that? You start with the run game, right? And then how do you get Justin Fields comfortable? You, you start with that running game, right? You set it up, you have play actions, you got booch, um, you have sprint outs, different things you can do to kind of combat um, that and get his confidence up. So, Corey, before uh, we're going to hop into your keys to what it will take for the Bears to upset the Packers, who I believe are 12 and a half point favorites heading into this week 14 matchup. My first question for you, though, is I was thinking about this heading into the week. And, you know, you hear from a lot of really smart people out there that talk about when Tom Brady, the way to get to Tom Brady sometimes is obviously pressure, but it's kind of in his face pressure. It's that interior mm -hmm up the gut, put it in his face, kind of uh, limit his clock so he's got to make quicker decisions or maybe a decision that he doesn't want to make in that time. In terms of Aaron Rodgers, my biggest fear in this game is when Aaron Rodgers is on the run, rolling out, improvising, finding Robert Tanyan or having a situation where Devontae Adams gets 4.5, five seconds to either spring loose or get open. So in your opinion, in terms of Aaron Rodgers, are you a guy that wants to bring that pressure into his face? Or are you more trying to get that contain on the on the edge there yeah. and maybe trying to get him from behind? 
Yeah, for, from the game plan that, that I had last time, and I think this is every week against Aaron Rodgers, and this is something that Lovey Rod Marinelli stressed when, when I was playing for the Bears, you know, because I played that left defensive end. It was always set the edge on his on the defense's left side, Aaron Rodgers' right side, because he loves to scramble to his right. And if you could set the edge, set that contain, you know, he's proven that if you can keep him in the pocket, that's when he, if, if he does struggle, that's when he does struggle. Uh, contain him in the pot he's actually you know more efficient on the run and and it's, it baffles me because most quarterbacks are, are not the, the, that case but Aaron Rodgers is absolutely unbelievable when he's on the run so whoever that left end is you know hopefully it's Gibson um, if he could set that edge on that left side and then keep Aaron Rodgers in the pocket that's when he's shown that he struggles so you know most people like you said it's, it's up up the gut pressure but for him you know, it's, it's keeping him contained in the pocket because he likes to get out. He kind of has a little bit of happy feet at times. He's, he's kind of, you know, wants to get out of that pocket. That's where he feels most comfortable. So if you could set the edge with him. And I made the mistake uh, back in 2012 where we had the game pretty close at home in, in December. And, you know, I had two sacks in the game. You know, I probably could have had another one if I just follow what Ron Marinelli had told me, you know, <laughs> set the edge and let it go. And there was a blitz right up the gut. and all week he had been stressing, listen, do not rush the same way you normally would. Just set the edge, just run to the level of the quarterback, and you will have a sack. But instead, I tried to hit a move on the right tackle, and I got <laughs> stuck on him, and Aaron Rodgers just hit the corner on me. And then he he hit Randall Cobb for like a 60-yard gain. And I just remember running over to the sidelines, and he was just like, what the? I can't even say it on there right now. Uh, but he chewed me out. But that's the thing. If, if you if you just be smart, if you don't try to win your rushes, if you just set the edge, you can be successful against a guy like Rodgers. Because early on, we had a really good game plan. You know, I had two sacks in the game. Julius Peppers had two sacks. Um, Izzy Adonijay had another sack. So we really were able to get after him. It was just kind of in that second half, you know, that play really sparked him. Because the thing is, he struggled before that. But once he got on the move, and, and, and completed that 60-yard throw on the run, that's when he started to get the confidence up. And then they scored like two or three consecutive times on us. So that's why you need to keep him inside that pocket. And the, some of the like memories that I have from that defense that you played on back in the day was also this concept of you had these situations where early in the game, Aaron Rodgers, if he didn't like what he saw, he would chuck it out of bounds. Which I, you know, which was me, me feeling like you guys would have a huge win on that particular play of I don't like what I see. I'm yep. in this pocket a little too long, and I can't escape. So he would chuck it out of bounds and like live to play another day because he's smart. But again, that goes for a win for the Chicago Bears defense. Real quick, man, I got to ask you because, um, you know, after a Bears game, I kind of sift around Twitter. I watch a lot of different stuff. I try and do some post game. And just kind of get a feel for other people's perspectives and emotions. And I sometimes watch that NBC, NBC Sports Chicago one on Twitter. And I see Alex Brown. Did you play with Alex Brown? Toward no, no. So yeah, that was a chip pass the other night. Yeah. But you played with Briggs, yeah. right? Yep, yep. I played yeah, with Briggs. So you yeah. played with Briggs. And, dude, I, I swear it's just uncanny that they talk about Rod Marinelli as often as you bring up Rod Marinelli. Yeah. So can you, for the listeners, just kind of walk us through just what Rod Marinelli meant for not just your career, but that Bears defense, because it seems like to a man, everyone speaks so highly about him and still remembers some of the principles and teachings that he taught way back when. Yeah, I think Rod Marinelli reminds me a lot of Vic Fangio. I think some of the current Bears players probably hold Vic Fangio in that same regard. You know, I just think the fact that he was so attention to detail and discipline, 
I think those those are the similarities I see between Big Fangio and Rob Marinelli. They really stress the importance of discipline. Like everybody has a gap, everybody has an assignment, and it was all about trust, right? Erlacher and Briggs were trusting that I was going to be in the right spot, or that Julius Peppers or Henry Melton, uh, Stephen Paya. So as everybody had the trust that we were going to do exactly what we were going to do, and the whole Russian cover philosophy, I think you know everybody bought into that, right? As a defensive lineman. You love getting off the football, right? It, it, you know, I look back at college and some other times, like we did read step, we did other 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 kinds of uh, you know, attacking styles, but it wasn't like that. Like literally getting off the football was everything. And when you have a defensive line coach telling you to get off, like, oh, no, you're slow, you're slow. Like in practice, all we worked was get off. Like, and, and if we were a split second late, you know, he'd call us out every time. You're slow, you're slow. So it was just so ingrained of us to get off the football. And I don't know if you remember that 2012 season when we were one of the best defenses in the history of the NFL. It just seemed like every time started, started what six and one, right? Seven and one, seven and one. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And, and then, you know, we were 10 and six and the lovey got fired, but yeah. that year was, was unbelievable because um, you know, if you just put on the tape of our, of our front four, um, we just got off the football. You know, you look at a guy like Henry Melton, he had his Pro Bowl season. Julius Peppers had a Pro Bowl season. I had seven sacks that year. Donage, I think, had seven sacks as well. So we just had such a good rotation, and it came down to to getting off the football. So, And I think the players just really loved a guy like Rob Marinelli. Like, you'd run through a wall for him. And that's why you see Lance Briggs and Alex Brown talking about the same kind of stories bringing him because he's like one of those gurus, you know, like that, that, that equivalent to a Vic Fangio for the, the modern day people, you know, the bears fans, um, you know, people really bought into what, what he did and they would run through a wall for him. And the, the crazy thing is 2012, right. That was the year we had Marinelli and Lovey. Then Lovey was fired with Marinelli the next year, 2013. We had Mel Tucker, who's now at Michigan state, tried to run the same exact defense, pretty much had the same personnel with the exception of Brian Erlacher. And we went from top five defense to dead last. So I think that tells you everything you need to know about coaching staff. Because you look at the Bears, same situation with Vic Fangio, right? Uh, when he left, right, then we had Chuck Pagano, right? And we were still okay, you know. And then, you know, now we have Sean Desai, and the defense has kind of gone downhill since Vic Fangio's gone. I think that's what you saw with the Bears for a while, you know, after Rod Marinelli and company. We are trying to figure things out. But – you know, I think people underestimate how important it is to have a defensive coordinator like a Rod Marinelli, like a Vic Fangio and stay. And that sets the blueprint of the defense. Yeah, I love hearing that because one, I just think it's really cool that that all that all of you guys, all you former NFLers that were under Marinelli still speak so highly of him. And yep. when a teacher passes something on to a student for the student to still remember it years, years later, that's the whole process, man. That's when you know that it really works. And I also remember that you're providing interesting insight of, I'm sure Chuck Pagano, I, I, I think I'm pretty positive. Chuck Pagano is a great man and I'm pretty yep. sure he's a pretty damn good coach. I also remember when he came in, he was like, I don't want to change anything about Fangio's defense, which was kind of sort of a move to appeal towards the players when I'm sort of thinking now moving forward, I don't know about changing, but I think it was about challenging, right? Like I want to come in and take those things and continue to challenge you and keep whatever it is, iron sharpens iron or whatever you want to put it out there. And maybe that was something that added to complacency might not be the right word, but that small, that slow slip that we've seen since 2018 to probably where we are now, 
Maybe that's kind of a product of that. I'm not sure. I, I think the thing is like this. Every coordinator has their own scheme and they need to run their own scheme. I, I don't think you should try to copy anybody else's. Um, you know, I think that's when stuff kind of goes awry and, and defenses struggle because, you know, you were brought in to run your specific type of defense. Oh, well, I don't want to change it. I want to do this. But it never works out the same. And you could try to copy something, you know, but it, it never exactly works out the same. We countless examples in the league where everybody said, oh, we're going to keep this the same. And then, you know, that example from 2012 to 2013 just blows my mind because we had the same personnel, like literally, like it, it was, it just baffled me, um, you know, and, and trying to keep something same, but there was, there was stuff that was off, right? You remember how I told you that 2013 game, the, when we played the Packers, this was to make or break to get into the playoffs at that point. And it was the final game of the season, 2013. And there was a fumble on the field, right? And we should have picked up the ball, but we did not. And that's something that would have never happened with, with Lovey and Marinelli, just because we stressed scoop and score, pick up every ball, you know, leave no stone unturned, like treat every play, every ball on the ground, like it's a fumble, a loose ball. We were just so ingrained with that. And we didn't, we weren't ingrained the same way, you know, with Mel Tucker. And that's no disrespect to him or anything, but it's just differences. It's the little details that make the difference. That's why we were a top five defense, you know, setting certain records in the NFL about takeaways, this, that, and the other, to going to the next year being dead last. And it's those little details, you know, uh, discipline, things like that, that add up and make the difference in this league. And, and look, like a lot of things in life, I think it's fair to criticize Mel Tucker for back then at that time because look at what he's done now. Like, you know, we all come through this life at different points, right? And I think the lessons that he learned in Chicago is probably what makes him the coach that's now getting that long-term extension at Michigan State, right? Exactly. And that evolution through time, you know, obviously that's sometimes the bumps in the road. Sometimes they conflict with your football team and the football team that exactly. you love and you end up being like, get out of here. You know, who's to say what – I mean, let's be real. Who's to say what happens to Matt Nagy the next five or ten years and whether he can apply some of the lessons that he's learned or, more importantly, the missteps that he's had with this Bears team and maybe apply them somewhere down the road and actually, I don't know if he gets another head coaching job, but maybe apply yeah. it to a coordinator's job moving forward. But, Corey, uh, here's the important thing, man. we got to get to some of the keys uh, yep. to a Bears victory. If the Bears are going to upset the Packers in week 14 um you know hit us off a little bit we're just going to do a couple yeah. of these and then uh we're going to do a little story time so stick around to the end of the pod yeah. i want to hear a couple of stories with Corey here so, so i think first and foremost is is limited turnovers right you look at green bay uh <laughs> of, of all the offenses in the league they play a pretty perfect offense you know when you talk about limiting turnovers and you know, you look at Aaron Rodgers, he has 23 touchdowns, four interceptions, and two of those picks were in the first game of the season. I think that tells you everything you need to know. Um, so we, we have to limit the turnovers. That's kind of been the issue with, with us as, a, as an offense. You look at last game with four, four interceptions right there. Uh, Justin Fields at times has thrown interceptions. Um, but how, how do we do that, right? And I, I think, you know, this kind of ties in to two different keys. You know, I think running the football. That's, that's my key every week, but you limit turnovers by running the football, right? You get it established, right? And, and especially the weather's getting colder. Um, you're trying to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. You run the football. Then you have a young quarterback in Justin Fields. You're trying to get him confident. You establish the running game. And, you know, at times I feel like the, the Bears coordinators, they get away from the running game. And I think it should be your best friend, especially you have three talented backs, you know, Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, Damian Williams, utilize them, 
you know, um, especially maybe if David Montgomery's not in there, you have Khalil Herbert that can step in and, and, and not miss a beat at all. So I think you have options over there and we're trying to get Justin Fields comfortable, right? You're trying to get him in, in a situation where he looked like in, in that Pittsburgh second half. How did you do that? You got the running game going. Same thing with Detroit. And I think when, when he gets those hard play actions, how do you set that up off the running game? So I think we really need to establish that running game. That's my key every week, but, you know, especially keeping A.A. Ron Rogers off the field, got to, got to run the football. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of two keys in there, but yeah, those, that's, that's kind of my same every week, you know, let me the turnovers, getting that run game going um, because the bears, we can run the football. It just seems like at times, you know, I told you we need to be a 60 40 until we can get, Justin Fields comfortable, then you could kind of, you know, 50, 50, then you can maybe go 60, 40 leaning to pass when he gets comfortable. But for right now, 60, 40 run heavy. You're not saying a 46 to three, like the Patriots <laughs> just did. <laughs> no, <laughs> that was crazy, Corey. Right. Hey, I mean, it went, won them the game, you know, it's like good, I, man. I don't understand. Like it doesn't matter. Bill Belichick doesn't worry about anybody else. And I wish more coaches, he doesn't give a rip what happened. I know. Right? I, I wish more coaches felt the same way he did. Like, because everyone's always like, well, what if this, what? no, he's like, listen, we won the game and that's what matters. Right. It doesn't matter that Mac Jones didn't have the throws down the field where we won the game. Yeah, and that's and, what matters. And Corey is a former player, man. They play each other again in two weeks. What what kind of film do the what kind of tape do the Bills look at, right? Like yeah. what what do they exactly do they look at and say and, and, we take and, away from this game and and put it into the next one? They have no idea. It's a clean it's a clean thing all over again. And then that's why Bill Belichick owns the Bills. Like it just it just you know like year in and year out it doesn't matter. And he, he I just love that about him, right? Because like I said earlier, I think too many coaches worry about everything on the outside, right? When the, when the only thing that should matter is what is the best game plan to win the game, right? Because wins and losses are what matters about this league, right? Stats don't matter, right? How many, how many times you threw touchdowns or how many yards you threw for, because that looks all cute and fancy and all this. But at the end of the day, right, when, when there's a Super Bowl winner, it's, it's a win or a loss. And that's all that matters. So you could, you could play, you know, you know, smash mouth football that's not pretty, this, that, and the other. But if it gets you a win, why does it matter? You know, it, it shouldn't. Is there a is there a D nice in the house? Is there a D nice? <laughs> no, no, you're completely right, man. And if I can maybe piggyback off of your key, because one of the things that I'm really interested in, and and Bears fans, I think we should really cue in on this. And I think you can kind of tell the difference of which way goes the other is. I think we've done a really nice job at the first 15, right? The first 15 plays, the first drive of Justin Fields, I thought have been pretty crisp. He's been efficient. We've done some things, I think, at times, as you mentioned, sprint outs, get him on the move a little bit, move it a little side to side. But then after that, when it's time for either Fields or the coaching staff to make an adjustment based off that 15, we've really struggled. And then all of a sudden we end – up the first half and we don't have a lot of production and we're asking ourselves questions. So I'm really curious to see where they go with that. Right. Like, and I think we'll probably be able to tell, right, Corey, like if Justin Fields is inaccurate on a few throws, we'll be able to read that very easily as Bears fans and analysts. But after that first 15 plays of the first couple of drives, I want to really key in and see what kind of play calls they dial up because that's when I'm going to really ask myself the question is the coaching staff doing the right thing by fields because, again, that's been, I think, another issue and why we struggled to score points in the first half, and that's what I want to see for one of the keys. 
Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that's what comes down to it. That's why this coaching staff um, is not going to be here next year because of their, their lack of, of game planning, you know, and, and, and adjustments. I think um, you, you hit the nail on the head. The first 15 are usually do well. And then after that, you know, taking what the defense gives you, they kind of struggle with. And I think, you know, in this situation where they're trying to figure out, you know, Matt Nagy was trying to figure himself out as a game game caller, game play, play caller, um, you know, who's struggling, you got to run the football. You know, I think that's, that's ultimately what it comes down to. And I think that's how you, you get in the rhythms and flows of a game is, is establishing that run. And I told you as a defensive lineman, it is so demoralizing when a team could just run the football on you for three yards, four yards, five yards a pop. And then all of a sudden they put in that play action there and it really takes you off balance. So that's that's why I I really don't understand why they do not just be a run heavy team have more pro style sets. What what I love, you know, when we're trying to protect the tackles at this point, right? It disguises the the pass more, so you can do both. But I think you know when you have two tight ends, you got a guy like Cole Komet that can block, Jimmy Graham that can block. Um, you got three talented backs. It just baffles me why you're not giving them the workload in, in a game, you know, and, and at times, you know, Andy Dalton was throwing the ball 40 something times. David Montgomery had 12 carries one of the games and it just, it just baffled me. So I think for that reason, the, these coaches and won't be here next year. And, um, you know, I just hope whoever is the next in line for the bears job and, and coordinating job is, is a true game plan master that's able to, you know, make adjustments, have a great game plan, really cater to a young quarterback in Justin Fields. Let's take a quick break to talk about our brand new sponsor, Lightbox. I got news for everybody. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Listen, cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a very light price. Only $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are just grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in plush pink and beautiful blue as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off price so they won't have to they really do make any outfit sparkle so visit lightboxjewelry.com right now to add sparkle to your holiday shopping that's lightboxjewelry.com lightbox diamonds never a dull moment now back to the pod and Corey, let me ask uh you a question this is a learning question for me because i mean this is something first of all this is something that i do in madden so you can tell me whether it applies to actual real football in real life but my whole thing is that when you run the ball and hopefully this hammers home why you are such a big proponent of making that the first and foremost core principle of this offense. When you run the ball four or five, six times, right, aren't you able to learn a lot? Like you learn where the gap fits are with these linebackers. You learn who is blitzing, who isn't blitzing, who's maybe shading to the left or to the right. So, for example, if you have a middle linebacker and after four, five, six plays of running the ball, you kind of get the idea of where he's supposed to be, and then you can exploit that with tight end space. And you, yep. Isn't that the whole idea of, like, learning the little gaps and stuff? Because if you're just yep. passing with these different routes all the time, it kind of feels it can be a little bit more of a grab bag, and that's when a defense can trick you by doing mm -hmm. nickel blitz and other kinds of stuff? Exactly. Exactly. What? Why do you think our defense has really struggled this season? Because we haven't been able to stop the run. Teams have said it from, from the beginning in their game plan. Hey, we're going to run the football on the Bears. And remember, I talked about gap discipline. That's been the biggest issue. 
So, right, you're testing out a team's gap discipline when you're establishing that run. You're trying to get it going, right? And that's why a lot of teams, you know, the first two drives, if you can really stuff the run, then a lot of times they abandon it, right? Because, like, oh, they're, they're, they're gap discipline. They're really stuffing the run. They're... And then as a defensive lineman, you love that because then you can pin your ears back. You know what they're going to do at that point. They're like, oh, we cannot run the football on them, you know. We, we have to pass the ball. And then, you know, they, they get in gun and then, you know, the tackles don't disguise their, their kick sets and you love that. So that's what you want to do. But, you know, I think the, the running game just really keeps a team honest. And that's why defensively we haven't been able to, you know, in, in certain situations really get after the passer, you know, first and second we down, we've been pretty good, but in third downs, you know, we, we really haven't because, teams have been running the football on us. And what does that do? That tires out your pass rush. So you have some of your top pass rushers in there that have been playing the run consistently. And then they've had multiple first downs. And then you're a situation on third and medium and long, and you're expecting them to get off the ball. And they don't have that same burst that they did earlier on in the game. So. And, and, and look, man, maybe to put a final button on it before uh, we get another key to a bears victory is I just want to get this out there too, as well, that I think, the narrative of the last three or four years of the NFL is that it's a passing league. This is the modern NFL. It's a passing league. And I just want to slow people down on that. And I want to keep people in the present moment of specifically this season, because if you look around this league, I get it. Yes, of course it is a, is a predominantly passing oriented league. And we were playing a guy named Aaron Rodgers, who we're going to see a lot of passes from this season, but in terms of the rest of the league, look around everybody like Derek Carr is leading the NFL in passing yards, right? Patrick Mahomes isn't having the greatest season in the world. Why? Because they don't have a great running game because Edwards Hilaire has been on the IR. We've mentioned the Buccaneers over the past couple of weeks. Look what happened to the Tennessee Titans when Derrick Henry went down. I mean, the list goes really on and on. The Dallas Cowboys. Oh, the world-beating Dallas Cowboys the first months of the season. Well, guess what? Zeke has a banged-up knee. And as good as Tony Pollard is as a change of pace, if they don't have that up-the-middle action – all of a sudden, CeeDee Lamb and all these other receivers and Dak Prescott don't look that amazing. Mm-hmm. So go around the league right now, and if you and, and the Arizona Cardinals, who did we play last week? James Conner with a dozen touchdowns. If you find any team that's over 500 fighting for a playoff spot right now, you're going to see a team that in some way or some fashion, you know, Bills, Ravens, with their quarterbacks, they run mm-hmm. the football, dude. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, this is yeah. old school, like, grind it out stuff. This is what the NFL is really right now. And my final final one real quick is, has there been an adjustment? Because that's what NFL is. It goes in cycles. We've been saying yeah. passing league, passing league, passing league, passing league. And I saw a stat about how some of the defensive uh, players have gotten lighter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a middle linebacker, you don't have to be 250, 260. You can play it now at 230. So isn't this kind of like just the NFL sort of switching now of like running maybe the way to win football games with – the way that defenses are now catering towards its pass. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think there has been a shift. I think what you, what you have been seeing, right. You look at a guy like Ryan Tannehill, right. He came from Miami, really struggled over there, had maybe one good season. Um, and then he goes to Tennessee and he has this resurgence of his career. Right. And everyone's like, Oh my goodness. Why? <laughs> well, <laughs> Derek Henry, King that's, Henry. that's the reason why. Yeah. And I think people realize that every team that that's kind of had a quarterback that was maybe struggling at one point in time that's now balling out is because of the running game, right? It takes the pressure off the quarterback. And that's, that's what I've been saying week in and week out with the bears, you know, with Justin Fields, young guy trying to get his confidence up. 
the running game, you know? And then you you mentioned Patrick Mahomes, right? They've kind of been up and down this season because of the lack of running game. It's not because Patrick Mahomes isn't a good quarterback. But like I said, there's only a few quarterbacks in this league that can really carry a team without a run game. And one of the guys is the guy we're playing this week in Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he did it for years. He's, he's the know? exception to the point I'm trying to make. To the, to the rule, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the exception, right? Most, most teams out there, they cannot survive without a running game. And look at this year with Green Bay. They're really getting the running game going. The stats haven't wooed and wow you, but, you know, Dylan and Aaron Jones um, have really put some good numbers together as a one-two punch, um, something that Aaron Rodgers really hasn't had in the past. That's why, you know, this season for Green Bay, I mean, I expect them to go pretty far just because they're playing really good defense. They're running the football well this year. And Aaron Rodgers, as always, doesn't turn the ball over. So, I think that's a recipe, you know, when you look at the top teams in the NFC, you know, you look at, you know, Green Bay, you look at Tampa Bay, um, you know, you look at Arizona that we Dallas, played as Arizona. well and the Rams. Rams, but Daryl Henderson got hurt. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, I, I don't I don't believe in the Rams, but I think I think, you know, Tampa Bay and Green Bay, I think those are going to be the two teams at the end, possibly in the NFC championship. Um, you know, and I think it comes down to that running game because they're running the ball really well, both teams right now. And that's how you make a long playoff run and a Super Bowl run is with that running game. Corey, any more keys uh, to uh, hopefully a Bears upset against uh, the Packers in week 14? Yeah, I mean, you, you look at look at the stats. The stats don't lie. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams. You have to stop Devontae Adams. You know, in the games that, you know, they've lost and Aaron Rodgers hasn't done well in that first game of the season – you limit Devontae Adams. I mean, he has a thousand yards. The next leading receiver is Randall Cobb. He has 300 and some change. So I think that tells you everything, everything you need to know. It's not very balanced when it comes to the wide receiver uh -huh. uh, position. Um, so if you can limit, you know, Devontae Adams production, and I, I, I wouldn't mind double covering him in, in situations. You know, I think this is a game where, hey, you know, this game really isn't for anything but your pride. And you know, if you if you take number one option, one of the best receivers in the game, there's no shame in that. I'd rather have somebody else beat me uh, at that point. I'd rather have an aging Randall Cobb, um, you know, Alan Lazard beat me rather than, you know, Devontae Adams because he's a game breaker. And you look at the last game that we played against the Packers. It was a really close game. And then Devontae Adams had those had that long uh, pass that set up the touchdown where Aaron Rodgers said, I own you, Chicago, when he when he scrambled. But I think if you can contain him, um, we could have a lot more success. I don't know if we're going to win the game, but I think we have a, a better chance to win the game if we can contain Devontae Adams. Yeah, and maybe my final key is, you know, I don't want to sound too simplistic about this, but I, I want us to try and attempt to keep it close somehow. And however mm -hmm. means that is. Now, whether that means – maybe holding them to a field goal in the red zone. Maybe that is what you're talking about, the turnovers. It definitely is what you're talking about in terms of running the ball in time of possession because I would really love nothing more than the Bears to be down seven or less points in the fourth quarter with Justin Fields and have the ball in his hands. I heard a little bit of the press conference quotes today. Again, I love what Justin Fields says uh, at press conferences. He's really cool, too, where, like, if someone asks kind of a dumb question, he'll just respectfully give you a short answer. But if you mm -hmm. ask uh, an interesting question, he will give a very thoughtful response. And today he was like, you know what? I love being the underdog. I thrive on it. I want it. Give it to me. Let's go. And this is a, a true underdog situation for Justin Fields. 
and I'm excited that he's going to be back on the field. And I just want the game to be close, man, because I kind of feel like I'm not saying our defense is going to hold up, but I kind of feel like if it's close in the fourth quarter, I feel like our rookie quarterback can put together a drive and give us something to cheer about, albeit for maybe a minute or two before we hand it back over to Aaron Rodgers and we'll see what happens. But if we can somehow keep this kind of close and not make it a laugher and it's not 37 to 13 with four minutes in the third quarter, if we can somehow do a little bit similar to what we had last time, I don't know, 20 to 14, something like that, yeah. maybe a 23 to 16, get it in the rookie's hands. I think it could be kind of an exciting finish, whether we win or lose. And I just want to see that because, again, to your point, we want to see moments and progress. It isn't really about wins and losses anymore. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you. Um, on honest opinion, what do you what do you think the final score is going to be in this game? Uh, I'm terrified. Um, I'm terrified. I'm thinking. I'm I'm thinking they get at least 32. So to be kind of on the generous side, I was thinking somewhere along the lines of like 34 to 21. Mm -hmm. The 21, probably one of those touchdowns comes later in the game. Mm -hmm. yep. And it's not because I don't think Justin Fields is going to perform poorly. It has more to do with, I think, and we've seen this. It's a tale as old as time. Rodgers comes down, first two drives, touchdown plus field goal or touchdown plus touchdown. We're down 10 nothing, 14 nothing, with maybe six or five minutes to go in the first quarter. And we panic. And the play calling starts looking real different. And we start doing these deep routes, these deep steps, and we're asking a lot of our rookie quarterback on our offensive line, a couple three and outs later, and the game can get out of hand really quickly. And I don't think our coaching staff is equipped to handle that kind of adversity, especially when Aaron Rodgers is coming at you. And that's 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 my fear right now. What are you thinking? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm thinking this is going to be a, a blowout, you know, in my opinion. I think um, Green Bay plays really good at home. I think – uh, they're really starting to hit their stride offensively. Aaron Rodgers look really good. Um, you know, the defense is playing really well. Um, you look at a guy like Rashawn Gary, who's really stepped up this year in his third year with Zadarius Smith out. Um, he's their leading uh, sack artist this year. You look at Kenny Clark in the middle. He's been been really impressive. Last game, he had two sacks against the Bears. I mean, he looked impressive in there. And then you look at how they're running the football right now, Green Bay. Um, you know, I... This, this is a game I, I worry about uh, that it, it gets out of hand early, um, kind of similar to how the Arizona Cardinals game was at first. It was looking like it was going to be a blowout. Um, I think it's going to be along those lines, in my opinion. I, I just think – I just worry about the game planning. You know, I think Justin Fields has the talent. I just, I just don't think these coaches uh, know how to game plan for him, and I think they panic – uh, when someone goes up seven nothing or fourteen nothing in the first half, first quarter, I think they think they have to get pass happy, and you should do the opposite, especially when it's still in the first quarter, you know, or or first half rather. Um, so I really worry about that. I'm just hoping that th that we can run the football and just time possession, you know, in this game. I mean, I think that would be a win if we could keep it close to a one score, two score game. Um, but in in my opinion, I think it's going to be a thirty four to 14 or 17 type of game. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And it's so funny, man. I'm right on board with you because the whole concept, in my opinion, is when you go down 14 to nothing, there's something intrinsically already in there that says, look, we're having problems in this, that, and the other area. Shorten the game. Run the ball. Exactly. Shorten the game. Do what you exactly. do. Keep it, keep it. Control what you can control in life. And by doing that is possessing the football. And we exactly. do that over and over and over again. And what's funny <laughs> about that, Corey, is if we're both – 
you know, we're both picking the Bears to lose, which might keep us tied heading into this four-game stretch, Corey. A battle royale of me and you and our game <laughs> picks to see who will win this season's belief. <laughs> Um, before we get out of here, man, we teased it in the last pod and I want to hear it. I want to hear, uh, let's do some stories with Corey, some Corey. All right. Um, you know, take us back, you know, to the playing days, you know, maybe right. bring us in, tell us a Lambeau field story. If you got it, maybe something in, uh, you know, the locker room, something happened at yeah. the green Bay bar. I don't even care, man. Uh, you have the floor, man. Uh, take us behind. Yeah. The yeah. So I'll, I'll go to 2013. That was the only time when I was there where we beat the, uh, we beat Green Bay, or actually in 2011, did we beat them at Green Bay? I think with Josh McCown, right? Didn't we? Oh wow! Oh so wait, McCown McCown would be with Tressman, right? Oh shoot! Yes, 20, yeah, so yeah. I don't think it was. I don't think it was 11 because yeah, 11, so it was, 13. 11 was yeah. the Green Bay Jamarcus Webb game where Cutler yes. Marcus Webb. That was not. Yes, a, no, that wasn't that. That was 2013 with with Josh McCown. I knew Josh McCown, but I had I had the years messed up. So 2013, that's the game where Shea McClellan uh, had three sacks in the game. One of them, he broke Aaron Rodgers' collarbone. Yes. And then they were so mad. The O-line, they, they were trying to hit him after the play, every play. Because they were so mad. Because they thought that meant their season, right? Broken collarbone. I think it said six to eight weeks at that point. Um, and then we knew, you know, when he was out, you know, we never wanted anyone to get injured. But, you know, we, we, we had a good feeling about winning that game especially at Green Bay, Lambeau, really hard place to play because I feel like once they start scoring and the crowd gets into it, you know, a guy like Aaron Rodgers just really gets going. And he was getting going in that game, and then he had the collarbone. Yeah, was in the red, they were in the red zone, right? Yeah, they were in the red zone. zone. Yep, and then Seneca Wallace comes in, right, in that game. And he, you know, he's a guy that, that's been around and speedster. And, uh, yeah, we, <laughs> we, we, we end up going up. And then I remember the last drive that they had, you know, started off with that drive where I had the sack and then I hit the Chappelle robot. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, game? exactly. Oh, yeah. And then, um, yeah, so it was, it was had it done. You did recently, did you not last weekend? I think with your buddy. Oh, yeah. 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 With the broadcasting, we, we did it. Uh, so we were interacting with the crowd and my co-host Gabe Ramirez was like, yeah, do, do the robot. So I had to hit it real quick. But um, yeah, that was that was that was uh, one of my favorite sacks because. You know, normally when you have a a speedy quarterback, right, like Seneca Wallace, he ran a 4-4, speedy guy. And normally I would be nervous about trying to chase him. And I wasn't thinking about anything at all. And I just remember, you know, he tried to juke me. And it was like, you know, those videos you see of animals where you where you mirror them. And and never in my life have I never been nervous to get a quarterback. I was just, I was just reacting, literally. He went that way, I went that way. And, and literally I got him down and it was like, I didn't think about it because if you think about it, when you're, when you, you know, when you're so open after you beat a def, uh, offensive guy yeah. and you have the quarterback right there, it's almost kind of like nervous. It's like one of those like catches in the end zone where you're wide open. Like Marquise Goodwin had when Andy Dalton a few weeks ago, that <laughs> wide open, you know, catch. You hey, remember he like, <laughs> had, like, <laughs> like make sure that he brought that in. That's normally how it is. You know, when you're going after a quarterback, when you just clearly beat the guy and you're just one-on-one -on -one and you're like, Oh my God, don't, don't mess up. Don't mess up. But I didn't even think about anything. I got him down and I was so excited. I did the robot real quick and I realized it was two minute. And then I rushed up to the line real quick and everyone's like, man, what are you doing? It's two minute. You can't be celebrating with that. I was like, man, I got back. I was good. Yeah. So you know, and then and then we ended up stopping them on that drive and, and won that game. And it felt good to, to win it at Lambeau because that's something that I never did in my career with the Bears. And, 
you know, it's just honestly one of the best stadiums to play in um, with all the history and um, the fans are actually nice. You know, you go some places like Philly and man, the fans are, are, <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny, man. I remember walking through the tunnel or walking out of the tunnel and you see Philly fans like, Hey, Wooten, why don't you go F yourself? Huh? And they're talking so much stuff. And I remember that game, my sister who lived in Philly, she was going to wear my jersey to the game. And I'm like, you know what? Don't don't even do it because I feel like they're going to mess with you. And, you know, they, they're the only stadium to have a holding cell. They have a jail in there because fans are too rowdy. So I told my sister, I was like, don't even wear the jersey. I was like, just wear something that's that's neutral. Don't don't wear anything. Yeah, um, that wasn't the 52 to 14 game. Yes. That yes. was. When when uh, Chip Kelly was there, I think, right? Yeah, which set up the the following week that Packers game, the Randall Cobb game. Exactly. You know, that 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 was that was a little disheartening because that week we had a chance to to win the game um and win the division just in that game right there. So, you know, it's it's unfortunate. That season was so up and down. Um, you know, even how bad we played defensively is crazy that we still had a shot to win it in that week. Uh, yeah, I remember that season. 17. Didn't you, wasn't it like uh, you guys played the Bengals like the first game or something like that? Yep. And Jay comes out and he's like ripping it. And it's like the Tressman exactly. era. And it's like, man, this is it. Greatest show on Soldier Field turf. Like, here we go. And I remember that game even got close too well. Like, yeah. that was a microcosm of the whole season of like, we exactly. literally thought like, we're never going to not stop scoring. Like, and then eventually, exactly. yeah, that game got tighter. It, it was the opposite that season, right? Because the season before it was the offense really struggled. The defense really carried everything. And then 2013, you know, Trestman's there. Whole, whole, well, new defensive coordinator, but same scheme. And we just couldn't get things going. And we just thought if we could have had that same offense the year before, I, I really think we could have won the Super Bowl because wow. that, you know, Jay, Jay and the offense looked really well. Um, it's just defensively, we we sucked. We were awful. I mean, there's, there's, there's no way to sugarcoat it. I, I just don't understand. Like, you know, Pete, you know, Briggs ended up getting hurt. Peanut Tillman got hurt, you know, halfway through the season. So it's the twilight it, of the locker. Yeah, it was, it was, it was just a rough thing, but um, yeah, it, it was, it was just a really weird season at 2013 and, um, and still, despite everything, we had a chance to win that game at Soldier Field against Aaron Rodgers and we should have won it. And just so you know, that last play where Chris Conti got beat deep, I did get held. You could you could run back the tape. T.J. Lang, my guy, I know him. I, I played him in college. I heard there's like a yes, there's a picture. He held the crap out of me, <laughs> and I mean, it was like literally like my my jersey's getting stretched beyond belief. You know, like luckily for the for the stretch technology because it should have ripped. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was unbelievable. And then Julius Peppers, um, I think he got held on that play as well. So it was just unfortunate situation. And they never want to call holding when it's you. They never do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for, so for you and your experience in that Bears defense, I mean it's fair to say because obviously Bears Packers, Bears fans get super into it, right? We look forward to it. But obviously going to Lambeau, staying in that neighborhood, you know what? Like the the stadium's literally in the middle of like a little yeah. suburban neighborhood, right? And yeah. the locker room, the whole mystique, and of course it's a division rival, but. But you can confirm, you know, you guys got up for that stuff. Like you knew, oh. you knew that was coming. Bears Packers, real deal. Maybe a little, just a touch of a different feel to that week. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think there's a the better rivalry in football, in my opinion. You know, than Bears Packers, regardless of how lopsided it's been as of late, um, and since 
you know, even Brett Favre was there, you know, I mean, Green Bay is, is, has had that series for, for a long time, but I think, you know, just the energy around it, like, you know, from the fans, you know, the week of the game. And I remember 2010, right. The year that the Green Bay won the Super Bowl, right. We're in the NFC championship against them, Green Bay Packers, Chicago Bears rivalry game to get in the Super Bowl. This is my rookie year too. And I'm thinking, man, we are going to go to the Super Bowl. We were rocking. We were rolling on all cylinders. And, you know, the game is close at one point. Erlacher gets a pick, gets tripped up by Aaron Rodgers. And then this is when Jay Cutler has the MCL sprain. He comes out of the game. We have Caleb Haney come in. And then he – or, no, Todd Collins first. He gets hurt. And then Caleb Haney comes in, I believe. Oh, my God. I forgot about yeah. that. You're right. Yeah. Kyle yep. doesn't even, like, make it into that – the lore of that story. That's crazy. Exactly. And then and then the dagger in that game was B.J. Rashi having to pick six. And then he did the hula dance because he made the Pro Bowl in there. But, I mean, that game, um, like, the energy in that stadium was, was unbelievable. And, like, I'm a rookie. I'm playing in the game. I'm part of the rotation. I'm about to make the Super Bowl, I think. And I was just thinking, like – you know, before the game, I'm like, oh, who, who am I, who am I going to invite to the Super Bowl? You know, who's everybody I'm going to bring to the Super Bowl? You know, my first year, we're going to win the Super Bowl. Um, but I, I've never had energy in a game like that one. I mean, the weather, like talk about the ultimate, like football game, you know, Bears, Packers, yeah. NFC championship, freezing cold, freezing cold uh, stadiums rocking, you know, Packers fans, Bears fans, you know, the whole week leading up to it. I think it was like, you know, the ticket, the ticket prices were unbelievable. I think they were saying like StubHub, it was like one of the highest resales ever. Like they were going for like five times the price that they normally were. It was, it was unbelievable. Like everybody and their mother was trying to get a ticket. You know, people, you know, in Chicago, hey, Corey, I know you probably got a lot of people coming to the game, but, you know, any any chance you give me some tickets? I'm like, nah, man, I, yeah, I took I out the max. A lot week. of people. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, literally, literally everybody and their mother was trying to get their hands on that ticket because it was unbelievable. You know, one game away from the Super Bowl, you know, I was just thinking about what it would be like, you know, to for them to bring that stage out there. Your NFC champs going to the Super Bowl, going to play the Steelers like, man, it would have been such an incredible feeling. Um but yeah, it's, it's it's always tough going against a guy like Aaron Rodgers because he always gives them a chance every year, and uh, you just you just always thought in your head like, man, if we had a if we had Aaron Rodgers, you know, imagine imagine what what the Bears would have been able to do, you know, like he he is one of those guys that like that's why it really baffles me why they had so much issues, you know, with them really not respecting him. I, I feel like you know. I feel like they didn't truly respect him because a guy of his status and what he's proven, like to not really try to draft his replacement, not tell him, you know, to try to not not go to him uh, uh, what options we need, you know, at wide receiver position or this, that, and the other, really not consult with him like other quarterbacks do, you know, like a Tom Brady, uh, stuff like that. So I think they kind of disrespected him. And, you know, in my opinion, I, I think they're going to try to make everything right and, and make him stay. And, oh, you once a Packer, always a Packer. It's but I think towards him coming back now. It, exactly. Than it was, what, three, four months ago. And if it, he be, wins the Super Bowl, I don't know how he walks away from that. I don't. It, exactly. But, um, yeah, man, it's it's just I, I always I always loved going against him because that's a guy that like, you know, I know Bears fans hate him. 
but like you got to respect a guy like that just how good he is and how he approaches the game you know like there's nothing that he can't do on the field he can run he can throw on the run he can throw in the pocket he can drop dimes whenever he wants to he can get sacked seven times like he did in that one Seahawks game like in 2013 and then still throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns like he is one of those guys that like you got to respect him as a competitor and and I feel like if you if you if you don't you're missing out you know I know he's he's destroyed the bears since his time there um but you got to respect him as, as a player and as a quarterback Corey, i tell you i'm just glad we drafted cedric benson <laughs> <laughs> whoops no the yeah. thing about the thing about rogers too is yeah he's the guy I, I love to hate and we've done it on this pod previously i think when they played him last time i think he's the most talented physically mentally quarterback that i've ever seen maybe not the most decorated or prolific mm-hmm. in terms of super bowls and stuff he's the most talented i've ever seen and the one part that I always think about going back to your time, you're playing against them is he'll still say it is that he feels like his greatest opponent, the one that gave him the biggest, uh, the hardest challenge and the most mind games was Urlacher. I mean, yep. he says he says that freely and Urlacher picked him off, I think, like three, four times in yeah. throughout his career. And so I think that adds a little extra mystique to that Bears Packers rivalry. And, you know, maybe another chapter will go into the books. Uh, this weekend and maybe that chapter will also open up a new chapter to maybe a coaching staff and maybe something else moving forward in the future Corey, we got to get out of here man uh stick around next week listeners because we're playing the minnesota vikings and we're going to do another story with Corey. and Corey is going to do the brett Favre story we're going to uh, <laughs> going to walk us through the play you're going to walk us through what happened you're going to oh, walk yeah. us through where we're at with the movie rights right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? And with Brett Favre just on the poster, just like lying down with you standing over him. We're going to do that next week. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Today's episode of Believe in Bears was brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Uh, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. How can you say no to that when you use promo code believe 50 bleav Five zero. Also, today's episode brought to you by LightboxJewelry.com. Great offers right now for the holidays and beyond. So happy to be them. Have them as a sponsor. Corey, man, we'll see what happens. But then we'll be back early next week with the post game, and then look forward to the Minnesota Vikings. Still a lot to look forward to. Still a lot of Justin Fields to watch. So plenty of reasons to tune in. Corey, man, take us home. Yeah, man. Another another exciting week of football. I know the season hasn't gone the way we wanted to, but Bears Packers doesn't get better than that. Lambeau Field, Justin Fields is back, so hopefully he'll have a strong performance. We need to get the running game going, take the pressure off him, work some of those play actions, get him comfortable out there, right? The these last, you know, five games of the season, I really want him to get comfortable going into next season. I want him to set his precedence out there and let let the league be known, you know, kind of like how it was after that that Pittsburgh game where people really started to notice what he can do. And I think he's special. I think there's some people that really haven't bought into it yet. I think they they think, oh, he's okay. I, I think it comes down to game planning, coaching. And I think next year we'll have both of that. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the future for him. You know, I, I really am excited for what I'm what we're going to see from Justin Fields. So, you know, hopefully this week, you know, he can come out there, have a strong performance, use his feet, you know, when he needs to, you know, don't, don't be afraid to use his feet. Um, and then, hey, if he can go toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers, even despite if they lose, uh, I think that would be a strong performance. I think it would give Bears fans some hope about the future, that the future is bright in Chicago. So, appreciate you guys' support. And, uh, yeah, you can follow me at uh, Corey Wooten, at Corey Wooten, C-O-R-E-Y, W-2-O's, two T's, O-N, Twitter, Instagram. 
And uh, yeah, hopefully we can uh, break down uh, a Bears win. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> hey, man, I would love nothing more than that. Uh, check me out on my socials at Joey Sports Guy. Like and subscribe to the podcast because the season might be a little bit up the track, but there's still plenty to watch. And we're going to bring it every single week right here on Believe in Bears. Thank you so much for checking out this podcast. Be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And remember this weekend, it's Bears Packers. You got to bear down. <laughs> got to. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.